With no fees or minimums, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than deciding to listen to another episode of your favorite podcast. And with no overdraft fees, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank. Capital One N.A. Member FDIC. Hey, and welcome to The Short Stuff. I'm Josh. There's Chuck, and Jerry's lurking there on mute, just hanging around, being a weirdo, looking all weird. (laughs) And this is Short Stuff, as I said already. We should tell everyone the other day, it was kind of funny. We were recording, and about five minutes in, Jerry somehow unmuted herself, and she was in a some sort of a conference call. Yeah, with but like a doctor, a, maybe? We couldn't get a hold of her. And it no. was just like, shut up. Yeah, I, I mean, she wasn't recording, but it was very distracting to us. And that's yeah. the important thing, you know? Yeah, I have a thing in my brain where they're, and this happens a lot when you have a kid, like you'll be listening to music, and then she'll come in with some dumb toy that's playing different music. Uh-huh. And it it just it breaks my brain and makes me want to break things. <laughs> it's not good. I don't know what it is. It's a big trigger. Yeah. Well, I like the anecdote. It was very charming. But now we're not <laughs> going to be able to get to the end of this episode. All right, let's do it. We've wasted uh, I don't know a minute. So all right, well let's start by talking about the Blitz because that's kind of where the story technically begins. And the Blitz is like this: the German bombing of England. And Germany really, really bombed England in general. But most people think of London being bombed the most as the Blitz. That's not entirely true. Well, London was for sure bombed a lot. We don't want to, you know, take anything away from what they suffered. But uh, Liverpool, I think, was number two in England is getting walloped by the Germans. And there's there's a place in Liverpool where after the bombing, they, uh, I think it's near uh, what was then called Great Homer Street. Mm-hmm. And after the bombing, they kind of left it that way for a little while because I think everyone was just recuperating from the war. Uh, and then in 1943, some American soldiers finally started clearing out this area and found a little something interesting. Yeah, well, at first they didn't think it was interesting. It was part of the rubble that was cleared out by those American soldiers. and But it was a long tube, a cylinder. Um, Let me say this. Found something that would prove to be interesting. (laughs) Right, exactly. But we are in agreement that at the time, they didn't think it was interesting at all. No. It was just (laughs) a metal chamber sort of, right? Yeah, it just looked like a tube. You know, I think it was a little under seven feet long, um, less than two feet in diameter, and it was just made of steel. It just looked like some big dumb thing. But apparently it was heavy enough and big enough that rather than being removed with all the other rubble, it just kind of got left in the area and became kind of a fixture in this little little part of the neighborhood. So much so that people would like sit on it as a bench sometimes and children would play on it and roll it along and all of that stuff. And that's the way it stayed for at least a good two years between 1943 when they cleared out the rubble and 1945 when something kind of big happened. Yeah, I think one end was sort of factory sealed, yeah. and one end was kind of uh, stamped shut by the bulldozers and stuff that were clearing stuff out. Yeah. And over time, over those couple of years, that end that was sort of stamped shut kind of worked its way loose a little bit, just enough for a little kid that was climbing on it to see a bony skeletal foot. Yeah, a little boy named Tommy Lawless who... 
appropriately found the skeletal foot in the cylinder on a Friday the 13th in 1945. Yeah. So the little boy um, who went on to become Ringo Starr (laughs) went and fetched a a cop, the local cop, uh, Robert Bale. Or Bailey. It would be Bailey, I guess, but I've never seen it spelled that way. B-A-I-L-L-I-E. Yeah. Sure, that's that's Bailey, right? And he said, well, this is way above my pay grade, rather famously, and went and got the detectives, and they all kind of came together and said, what is going on here? And this mystery was launched. That's right. Uh, I think it's too early for a break, but that is a good cliffhanger. I thought so, too. All right. We can do whatever we want. We're gods here. That's right. Let's, Let's take an early break since you set it up so well, and we'll come back right after this. Listen to this. It's a game changer. Amazon is now in healthcare. Yes, Amazon. It's called Amazon One Medical. They offer same-day appointments, and if that's not convenient enough for you, they also have 24-7 virtual care. Yeah, you know, imagine you're feeling so sick that even the thought of getting out of bed is just too much for you. With Amazon One Medical, you don't have to leave the house. Of course, what good is that if you then have to drag yourself to the pharmacy, but you don't have to do that either because of Amazon Pharmacy. It makes a lot of sense. Delivering things fast is what Amazon is known for, and that's exactly what they do here. They'll deliver your prescriptions directly to your door. No waiting in pharmacy lines with people who probably all have something worse than whatever you're there for. Again, this is a game changer. Thanks to Amazon Pharmacy and Amazon One Medical, healthcare just got less painful. Today's episode is brought to you by Altoids because, let's face it, unraveling the mysteries of the universe is tough work. But with Altoids, your breath will be stronger than a black hole's gravitational pull, more intense than an alien abduction, and more reliable than your phone's battery during a podcast marathon. When it comes to needing intense freshness, Altoids have you covered. Altoids are stronger than your favorite conspiracy theory, more intense than the latest true crime docuseries, and more reliable than a Bigfoot sighting. They're not just mints, they're curiously strong mints. Find Altoids in the checkout aisle. Grab your tin today. All right. Great cliffhanger. They find this thing. They find the skeletal foot. They need to get inside of it. So they get a welder to open it up. And they get some coroners and some forensics uh, people in there. And what they end up finding was an entire skeleton of a man, uh, about six foot tall dude, Victorian dress. And they had uh, it was it was a little bit of hair still left even on the skull. And here's one key that kind of flummoxes me that I'll kind of harp on a bit later. But yeah, me too. There was a brick wrapped in burlap as a little pillow. Yeah. Which to me kind of confuses a lot of the. Uh, a lot of the ideas they had of what might have happened to this guy. It really does, and it's weird that the brick was there and wrapped in burlap. I don't know if it was the guy who writes Passing Strangers, which, huge shout-out. Um, this this is actually kind of a somewhat well-known mystery. The body in the cylinder is what it's called. But um, Passing Strangers did far and away the best job of kind of getting this point across. And that guy um, c- describes it as, as a pillow. So I don't know if that's... If it was just him or if that's generally what it's like. But it is very weird that it was there and in that position. Do we have his name? From what I can tell, the guy who wrote that and probably the guy who has the 
the blog Passing Strangeness, which seems to be defunct, which is a shame because it's pretty interesting, um, is named Paul Dry. At the very least, that's the name of the person who's accepting um, compliments on the comments under the blog. But you want to hear something truly bizarre, Chuck? Sure. There is a little tag called trackbacks. One of them is Indonesia, blowing up boats in CGI Pompeii. Another mm-hmm. is fishing shop. The third one is SYSK Internet Roundup. Really? Isn't that cool? Did- does that mean we covered this before? No, I think this guy um, is just a fan. I don't think the trackbacks no. mean anything. I think he's saying, like, go check this out maybe. I hope. Let's find oh, out. Well, that's small world. Yeah. So, all right, they've got this body in there, and there's a lot of other stuff in there, and we'll kind of just list out what else was in this cylinder with this skeleton. Um, they discovered a uh, London Northwestern Railway notice. Uh, that had a tag about arrival of some goods that was dated June 27, 1885. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there was a postcard from Birmingham uh, dated July 3rd, 1885. Uh, a couple of diaries, which they couldn't read. It was illegible. I would guess just sort of damage to time would be my guess. Uh, and then they found some papers, and this proved to be, uh, I guess, the biggest key. They found some papers under the body. Um, one of which was a receipt mm-hmm. and uh, account sheets for a company, T.C. Williams and Company. And then some other kind of stuff that didn't prove to be useful, right? Right. One of the things that got me, though, is that it was found in a, a bunch of grave wax, like a pool or puddle of grave wax from the body decomposing onto the papers. What's is this? that what that's called, y- grave wax? Yeah, grave wax. I think we <laughs> ran into it first in our Urban Explorers episode because Ew. like people find it in catacombs but it's um the what's astounding is that these coroners from the mid-century were able to kind of um uh get the the papers back intact so that they could read them again that's astounding yeah. to me pretty cool they also did find that his skull was damaged but i think they thought that was kind of due to the the bulldozing and trying to get the body out of there that's right or the cylinder, rather. Yeah, so there didn't seem to be any any um, evidence of violence. There was just a dead body. So they have no idea what happened to this guy. And at first, I guess the coroner thought, um, this is like maybe a 10-year-old c- cadaver that we're looking at. Everybody else mm. said, um, what about every other piece of evidence that that you've discovered along with this guy? And he's like, well... Technically, somebody could have dressed up like a Victorian person and gotten a bunch <laughs> of old papers and keys and stuff and a ring and, um, you know, died within the last 10 years. And I think everyone kind of said, you know, that's bosh. And the coroner wasn't ready to give that up yet. They actually investigated a, a theory that it could have been um, a man named uh, T.C. Williams' son, whose name was also T.C. Williams. And maybe it was him. And he just happened to have some old papers with him. And they say, I think we already said Bosch to that. Yeah, because I don't think we mentioned uh, there was a paint manufacturing plant in that area that was owned by Thomas Cregan Williams that fit the time period. So they're like, it can't be that guy. Like you said, maybe it's his son. Uh, But they ended up finding him. Isn't that that right? 
They found the sun. Or his body. Yeah, the sun had been buried back in 1909 in Leeds, so he was accounted for. But what was strange, Chuck, is that the older um, man, his father, had not been accounted for. The man who owned this manufacturing plant in the 1870s and 1880s in this area of Liverpool um, had suddenly just vanished right around 1885. Right. Uh, they did end up kind of figuring out that the tube and the cylinder itself was part of a ventilation shaft, mm-hmm. which t- to me sort of only confused things a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it was put forth, and I don't know if this was Paul who kind of put this forth. No, it was Ringo. Or, or, <laughs> or uh, general evidence that perhaps this man was despondent and suicidal over the loss of the factory and crawled into the shaft for uh, final privacy. That seems a little, a bit of a stretch to me. Um, yeah, it also seems like a stretch that a ventilation shaft should be closed off on one side. What kind of ventilation shaft is that? Yeah, I guess, but don't they all end at some point? They're supposed to end into like the open air. I guess so. You know, like, I think that's just really weird. Like, a a, a one-ended uh, ventilation shaft, it just, I'm sure there's some kind out there, but it just escapes me. And then the pillow also seems a little weird, that brick burlap pillow. Yeah, that's the weirdest part to me, is that that, that is clearly some sort of a, a purposeful thing that someone has done. Um, right. I mean, like, like... For comfort. Yeah. But also, it's like, do you hate yourself, too? Um, like, a, a brick wrapped in burlap is not a comfy pillow. Like, you could use almost anything else on the planet and wrap it in burlap, and it will be more comfortable than brick. Uh, yeah, and they had pillows back then, you know? <laughs> right, exactly. Um, there was another theory put forth that it wasn't Williams. It was someone else that was maybe murdered uh, in retaliation for that factory closing, and maybe they stuffed them in there. Mm-hmm. And Williams maybe just, like, disappeared after that, changed his name and skipped town. Who knows? Yeah. So I think um, they they finally closed the case in 1947, 45, actually. Right right off the bat, they closed the case. They said, we're never going to solve this. Um, Or we've totally solved it. We just can't say with 100%. But they basically said, we don't know who it is. We don't know how he died but you can probably surmise yourself. And the the prevailing theory is that it was T.C. Williams um, upon the ruination of his um, paint business, uh, possibly took his own life. The fact that he wrapped a pillow or a a brick and burlap and took it in the ventilation shaft with him with all this other stuff would suggest he didn't accidentally go in there and and get stuck. Uh, He probably died by suicide. Or it was somebody else made to seem like T.C. Williams. But the astounding fact is that this happened in 1885. He was in that ventilation shaft all the way up and through the bombing of Liverpool during World War II and used to be rolled around the playground by children (laughs) until they finally (laughs) figured out he was in there. Uh, Yeah, I'm sure there was more than one adult walking around that remembers playing on that that tune. (laughs) I know. I know. Um, And then a very special shout-out to Josh and Chuck from the past, because it turns out, Chuck, we did talk about this in an internet roundup, which explains (laughs) the track back. So this is probably the last time we'll ever talk about the body in a cylinder. Wow. No memory of that. I think this is the best version. I don't either. And plus, no one saw internet roundup anyway, so I think we're all good. I enjoyed that show. But um, big thanks and hats off to Passing Strangeness for making such a great blog post. And uh, if you haven't been on that blog yet, go. It's uh, very good. 
<clears throat> and since I said that, that means uh, short stuff is out. Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.